0: Hey everyone, I'm your host, Alex Taylor, co-founder of Parallel. Welcome to Parallel Lives, a podcast where we learn about the tireless yet vibrantly challenging role the women we admire most live in parallel to their careers and personal pursuits, becoming and being a mom. Today's guest is Chriselle Lin. She's the co-founder of Bumo, which is truly reinventing childcare for working parents. She's also a digital influencer. We might even know her as Rich Mom on TikTok. She's a dear friend of mine, and it's been so wonderful to see her build her career over this past decade. So today, I'm excited to share her story with you and let you listen in on our conversation about all things motherhood. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Criselle. Good morning. You co-founded Bumo, which is
1: reinventing child care for the modern woman. How did you come up with this idea for Boomo? It was just an idea that I had for a very long time. Once I had my first daughter, her name is Chloe, and she's six years old. So I had this idea for about seven years in my head as I was prepping to become a mother. And once I had Chloe, I just became incredibly frustrated with the lack of options for working parents out there. So yes, of course, you know, there's daycare, traditional daycare. And of course, you could always hire a nanny or, you know, someone to come over to help you out while you work. But then in my head, I was like, well, why can't I do both? Why can't I be with my child and be co-located with my child so I could still breastfeed, so I could still do those little mommy and me classes, feed her lunch, dinner, snacks. So I'm not missing so much of these little moments that most working parents do miss out on on the first few years. And that became really frustrating for me because I felt like, you know, we live in the 21st century and there are options for walking dogs and all sorts of things. But when it came to basic child parent needs, there was barely anything. It's
0: <laughs> such a brilliant concept. And the space is so insanely beautiful. And the fact that the programming is so educational and enriching is just fabulous and just kind of gives you that peace of mind, you know, when you leave your little ones. So Why was it so important to create that for other moms?
1: Well, as I was doing more research about the workspace and kind of the statistics around that, I quickly learned that there's a reason why majority of mothers leave their workforce after they have kids. One, it's they are... The question that they ask themselves is, why would I go to work just so I could pay for childcare? Because childcare alone is so expensive. And so it's almost like I'm literally separated from my child. I cannot be with them, but I am working so I could be separated from them. That doesn't logically make any sense, right? No sense. Yeah. No sense at all. And so the system is really backwards in that sense. And so for women and mothers, That logic is like, okay, well, I'm just not going to work, even though they might have a great career, they might have an awesome company that they're working for with wonderful benefits, you cannot buy back time. And I think that is really the most precious and most important thing, especially in the early years of childhood development, really, you don't want to miss those little moments. And so that is why millions and millions of mothers are missing from the workforce it's not because they're not talented enough it's not because they're too busy it's not be it's none of that it's really because there's no support system in place and for me i run my own business and my own company so i have a bit more freedom in that sense where i can be able to like take a day off and say hey i'm just going to hang out with my kids but then i just think about all the other mothers that don't have that choice right and so as I started building out Bumo, I just really became frustrated for all the mothers out there. And I just felt like it's unfair that women had to choose one or the other. It's either career or becoming a mom or vice versa.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I know so many women that left the workforce for the exact reasons you listed, but also because COVID just, you know, fed the flame, right? And it really takes a village to raise a family especially when you have little ones you can't do it alone and I think we've learned over these past 50 years since women have really entered the workforce that work is really rewarding and enriching to our lives and I think it you know and some it can make you feel like a better parent it's a wonderful outlet and it's incredible that you created that space to allow women to to pursue that
1: thank you yeah and it's something that I talk a lot about on my podcast as well, which is why women work, right? And of course there are, you know, some women that can't afford not to work, which, you know, I understand, but at the same time, there are women that don't necessarily have to work, uh, but they choose to work, right? And why do they choose to work? They choose to work because one, identity, right? They, they want to keep their identity, they want to feel inspired by something outside of just, you know, what's in front of them, which is their kids and their family. And for a long time, especially me as a uh, being raised by immigrant parents, and my mom pretty much dropped everything to raise us, I had a really hard time understanding that because I felt guilty that I chose myself, I felt guilty that I chose to work where I was taught that you have to give up everything in order for you to be a wonderful mother. But I think now we are realizing that's not the case. And in fact, it's actually quite healthy to have something outside of your family and your kids. And so for me, that's why I work. I love working. I'm able to continue my passions and, you know, inspiration. So
0: it's tremendous. This podcast, while we love to hear about everyone's careers and the empires they've built, it's about the other role that we really don't talk about as much, which is the role of ourselves as mothers. So kind of pulling back, did you always know that you wanted to be a mom?
1: I actually wasn't sure if I wanted to be a mom, to be completely honest. I was very much career driven and career oriented at a young age and in, my career really took off in my mid 20s. And so at that point, I was just like, I don't know if I want to have kids. But obviously, it happened. And as I look into motherhood, right, I still don't love the concept of like being a mom in general, like all the little nitty gritty things that you have to worry about. There's a lot that comes with it, right? And so for me, I don't love the nitty gritty. Like I don't love doing these little things, but I love being their mom. I love being able to teach them like life concepts and really raise them into just like really good human beings. So what changed? You know, what pushed you to this other side? I think it's once I gave birth and I just saw this human being that I was holding that I developed in my own body. That is very surreal. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. I think only mothers will be able to really understand that because when you're looking at this baby, you're like, that came out of me. What? That's wild. It's, <laughs> it's so like wild. Total <laughs> yeah. sci-fi. And. I think it was that moment where I was like, okay, I need to protect this little thing at all costs. And so I think that natural mother bear instinct kind of kicked in immediately when I held her for the first time. But up until I held her, I was like, "Ah, I don't know. I'm not sure about this thing. Yeah,
0: I mean, you feel disconnected in a way. I I know a lot of women that felt so connected to their baby while they were pregnant, but I didn't. I, I I knew we were connected, but it wasn't until that moment that
1: you hold them. It feels so real. Totally. Yeah. And honestly, I had that kick in. But then a little shortly after that, I went through postpartum depression because just like so much was happening in my life and I wasn't getting any sleep. And, you know, it's actually quite common. So during that period, I was also still like, oh, is this really my life now? Like I'm so tired. You're kind of mourning the loss of your old life, right? Yeah, totally. But then once I kind of got over that hump and got out of that lull period, that's when it was exciting. And especially when they start like looking at you and they could like notice you and interact with you, that that was just life changing. It's magic. It is so magic. So let's,
0: let's take a step back to the postpartum depression because. I struggled with it too, but I had more anxiety, but I hear that it manifests in different ways. How did, did you have a moment where you kind of realized that you had, you were dealing with postpartum depression? Did you do anything to support yourself? Did you get help? How did you get through that?
1: Well, first of all, I didn't even know I had it when I was going through it because when no one talks about it, especially six, seven years ago when I first had Chloe. So I didn't even know why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Um, But it was once I got out of it, that's when I realized that I did have it. And so, yeah, my whole thing is just talking openly about it, because I think it's really important for women to know when they are going through postpartum depression. And, you know, it looks different for everyone, as you mentioned. But for me personally, quite honestly, I was anxious about everything like you you mentioned. Like I would literally go into a place like down this rabbit hole of like, what happens next and like and just my mind was crazy two I couldn't sleep and even though I was sleeping I was still thinking about all the things that could happen and then three I was not like I was not motivated to like even get up out of the bed I was literally just in bed it was like a numb feeling for me like I couldn't feel anything I wasn't sad I wasn't happy I was just kind of numbed out um and of course, when the baby needed me, you're just kind of like you just do it, but you don't even realize that you're doing it. It was almost like this out of body experience. That I don't even remember. It was all foggy and hazy. It's very foggy. I I think
0: that's really common. You kind of feel like this zombie, and I think so much of it stems too. Of course, our hormones are changing, but lack of sleep. I mean, they say being extremely tired is worse for driving than drinking. You know, like it's oh my very my I believe that. Yeah. And you're doing the most important job you've ever
1: done in your life on zero to you know no sleep. I think you know people talking more openly about it does help uh, prep the the mother. But I think honestly, until you go through it, it just kind of like boot camp. It just reminds me of like pledging for a soror. I, I was in a sorority during my college years. I was like, this feels like pledge. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god! I did pledge too, and it definitely felt like pledge. <laughs> or being <laughs> hazed by like a
0: six-pound baby. <laughs> yeah,
1: basically. <laughs> oh my god! It was um, it was a hard period in my life, um, and I didn't even want the support. I think that's also a big sign when it's like interesting. You kind of shut everyone out, right? And you don't want to see anyone. You don't want to talk to anybody, and so yeah once I got out of that and I was able to finally talk and speak about it, that's when things started to get better. And I think just like talking about it is very important. Completely. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I had a group of friends on text where I knew I could just be really honest and raw about what I was going through and it really helped. Was there anything else aside from talking to people? Did you try going out alone? I know a lot of women start to rediscover themselves when they make that first venture out of the house without the baby. What were some things that you did in those early days to reclaim yourself.
1: Yeah, that's always so scary when you leave the house for the first time or the first few times with the baby because you're, you just have to prepare for like the worst case scenario. So you literally pack your entire house. Um, so stressful. But for me to reclaim myself, I, I did have to go out like I purposely went out to see people with the baby because I knew that I couldn't like that was a fear of mine. I I wasn't confident if I wasn't sure if I could do it on my own, because I did have help for like the first month. um, And my mom was around to help me. And so I was like, No, I need to do this. So at least like going out, you know, having brunch with friends and normalizing that because I was so used to being independent and doing things on my own. But for me, it was really I'm not Yes, things might have changed. And of course, we do have to make adjustments, but I'm not going to stop me from doing what I want to do. Like, for instance, with both my children, both Chloe and Colette, when they were one years old, or no, they were like six months, both of them. I took them to New York and Paris for Fashion Week a number of times because I didn't, I knew that if I left them at home, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that because I was still breastfeeding. Um... And then I also wanted to be, like I had to be there for work. And so I was like, why can't I just take them? They're so little, you know, all they need is the boob at this point and that's it. And they'll be fine. And it was, it was one of the scariest things I did in the beginning because traveling with a infant for the first time, you never know what could happen, right? It made me realize that I always overthink things. I always think about the worst case scenario and that never helps because it never usually ha- gets there.
0: Yeah. So, but I feel like we're programmed to go there so that we can mitigate all the risk as a mom in yeah. a way. But what I love about your story is that so many of us feel that when we have children, there's there are major concessions we have to make, of course, but- I think there's been this shift, right, where rather than we change our entire selves and our entire lives, we find new ways to fit our children into our lives.
1: Yeah, well, I think also changing that narrative of what parenting looks like. I think parenting looks very intimidating from the outside for a lot of people because Um, our parents, they parented us differently and they dropped everything, especially coming from immigrant parents. They're always talking about how much they sacrificed for us. And you're just like, okay, I get it. (laughs) Like, thank you for all the sacrifices, but I don't want to be carrying this guilt and burden for the rest of my life because like you couldn't continue your career because you gave birth to me. So that is something that I don't want to do to my kids. And I think I'm noticing... Our generation is more so going towards that direction of, okay, yes, I'm going to have kids, but I'm still going to continue to do what I do. I'm just going to be able to like fit them in somehow and, and we'll figure it out from there. To me, that sounds more exciting and that sounds more less intimidating to have kids. And, you know, I think people are becoming more open to that, realizing that your whole life doesn't have to change. Yes, there are things that you're going to have to sacrifice naturally. Life still goes on and life continues, and it could get better and more enriching. There's just been
0: a shift in the way that we look at this chapter of our journey. You've mentioned your mom a few times and your parents. After becoming a mom, did it change your relationship at all with your mother?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, my mom was a stay at home mom. She didn't have a career outside of us. And so growing up, I definitely didn't appreciate it as much because back then she was just like always hovering over me and she was always like she was on top of me all the time and so I was like can I just like do this on my own can I just have a moment to myself and I always thought to myself when I grow up I'm not going to be like my mom because I want to have a life outside of my kids it's not that my mom didn't have any interests or hobbies she did, but she chose to take care of us. And so for me, I'm so internally grateful for that. But now I'm just like, okay, mom, you do you. Like yeah. you focus on <laughs> you, you know, in your 60s now. now it's your time.
0: Completely. Now it's your time. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of see now this new perspective where it does feel like our parents were so overbearing in a way because they're omnipresent, Right. Our world has grown so much that now they're a piece of it and we have children and we're kind of this new omnipresent person in our children's lives. So it's just interesting to see, but also that new love and respect for, you know, our parents and everything they went through and to get us to where we are is
1: it is amazing. Chloe, my oldest, is now like mom. I don't want you to hug me when we're like, we're at school. If you want to hug me, we go hug in the car before we get out of, uh, before we get out on campus. And I was like, okay. Are you sure? <laughs> She's like, yes. And you don't need to hold my hand either. I'm like, okay. No, oh my goodness, that must be such a hard moment
0: for you. So Um,
1: hard. I mean, I'm used to it now. It's been a bit, it's been about like six months since we've had this conversation, but it just reminds me of like the conversation that I had as a kid to my mom growing up and seeing like how painful it must have been for her. Yeah, Um, completely. And same with my daughter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, isn't it funny how those things come around? Totally. Going from, you know, you weren't so hot on the idea of being a mom. You became a mom. It sounds like you you fell in love with it, obviously. But how did your relationship with yourself
1: change? Anything surprise you? Yeah. Well, I think the first, just to be completely honest, the first five years, I didn't give myself enough love. I really just put everything before me. So including my kids and my family, my work. And I was always at the bottom of that list. And, you know, a lot of people that follow me and they watch my Instagram or see my photos or my TikToks, they, it might be hard for them to believe because I'm always like glammed up and I always have makeup on and outfits, but it's just for, it was just for that at the time. Like I did not take care of myself for the first five years. I only did that for work. Um, but outside of work, I was dying. Like I did not do anything for myself. I didn't prioritize myself. I didn't, you know, think of what makes me feel good outside of work and my family. And so I think, I mean, quite honestly, within the past year, it's been a bit big reckoning for me because I've been going through some personal changes, but also at the same time, really discovering having that room and space to, figure out how to love myself and how to treat myself really, really well, as well as I treat other people. Because I, I do, I've over backwards for everyone else, you know? What was that moment, though, that you realized
0: this? Because people go for a lifetime yeah. operating in this
1: way, and they don't have that moment of clarity. I mean, I was extremely depressed, like extremely depressed, um, coming out of I guess last year, you can say. And that's when I just really had to make a decision for myself of, okay, do I choose me or do I choose everyone else, right? And for the first time ever, I chose myself and everything changed after that. Like literally, I can't say it was overnight, but just from that one decision, I reprioritized everything around me over time. And so if that looked like meeting with friends once a week, like everyone's healing process is different. For me, I realized that my friendships, something I put on the back burner is actually my therapy. And so if I go without a week or two seeing my girlfriends, it just feels weird to me because we just say what's on our mind. We just, what I always tell people is like, if you're not going through something right now, you're going to go through something soon, right? We're always in this constant cycle of just growth, right? And that comes with painful sometimes experiences or situations. And between like five of my girlfriends, we're always going through something, one of us, or we're about to, and we just talk so openly about it. And that is so healing for me and so therapeutic. And so that's one thing that I did prioritize is hanging out with my girlfriends. And by the way, they're majority of them are, are all moms. And so it's not like, Oh, they're all single, they all have time. No, they're very, very busy. The majority of them do have careers, they do have partners, and they do have kids. But this is just as important to them. So we make that time together. And then another thing is reading, reading is something that is so healing for me. And it's something that I haven't done for the past five years. Uh, in a meaningful way because life just got busy and I never made time for it and always the excuse of like, oh, my kids and my family. But it brings a lot of joy. Like for me, I could be curled up in a corner reading for like five hours and all of a sudden I feel like a brand new person. Like I just feel, and I, I miss that. It fills my cup. And so I do make time for that. Um, maybe not five hours, but like at least 30 minutes a day. And on the weekends, I try to do like an hour and so just making th- time for things that I I personally truly enjoy. It doesn't have to be, and I think the idea of it sometimes intimidates us as mothers because we're like, we just don't have time. Like that's so time consuming, but it's not about time. It's about finding things that bring so much joy, even if it's like for 10 minutes, right? And yeah. just really prioritizing that. It's the
0: little things, but it's it reminding me of that old saying, you know, you have to put on your oxygen mask first before you help anyone else. And we show up better in all parts of our lives when we're able to take care of ourselves. And that's such a great reminder, especially coming from someone like you. You know, we've seen you build this empire with Bumo. You are a style icon. You became the sensation overnight on TikTok. And to be so honest about what was going on behind the scenes, and also how you dug yourself out of that hole emotionally,
1: yeah. is tremendous.
0: And it's and it's so simple. It's relationships. It's taking some time for
1: you. It's you know just the little things. It adds up. It's really really simple. It's mm-hmm. it, it, there's no magic potion of like if you do one miraculous trip to like somewhere fabulous, it's going to fix it. No, it's not. It's the I think it's a little daily things or weekly things that you can make consistent in your life that will really change it up for you. And also working out for me, I stopped doing, obviously with COVID, it was really hard, um, but getting back into that has really changed my energy and my mood and yeah. And then also social media, I um, I don't consume as much as I used to, which might sound bad because I am a content creator as well but i think especially with this whole kind of tiktok craze and obviously with instagram trying to become tiktok and with the whole reels thing it's really easy to consume the same content like over and over and over you can actually scroll but you're not really getting anything meaningful out of it and you just kind of get stuck right in this this cycle of just scrolling and so um, I really limit myself on that as well. So I, I actually just kind of post. Yeah, that's
0: great advice. I feel like a lot of people listening could benefit from maybe taking a few hours less of social a week. It's a trap. It's <laughs> it a is trap. a trap. I know it is a trap. Um feels like you're on this hamster wheel in a way. So getting back to you and your role as a mother, you know, becoming a mom, did you feel that your personal style changed at all? Or did you feel like any shifts there?
1: Yeah, Um, not huge changes. I still love glamour. I still love dressing up. But I wear a lot of sneakers. I wear sneakers every day. And I actually used to just wear sneakers when I want to be comfortable. But now I wear sneakers as like a moment, like I invest into really cool sneakers. Like I have so many Nikes, like Air Force ones, like Just because for me, I'm like, if I'm going to do it, like I might as well do it right. I might might as well look, I might as well look chic in it. Exactly. Right.
0: (laughs) So going back to, you know, being a mom, what is some of the most important advice that
1: you've gotten about, you know, supporting yourself as a mom? Well, I think there's different chapters in motherhood. Um, and the best advice that I got for when I first became a mom was, and this is going to sound kind of obvious and silly, but just to slow down and sleep when the baby sleeps and rest your body. I think naturally, especially as career driven women, we want to be in hyperdrive, especially after having kids. But I realized because. You don't want to lose yourself and you don't want to lose, you don't want people around you, your team, your employees, your followers, everyone to put you in this box of like, oh, well, now she's a mom. And you don't want it to handicap you from doing other things or like have them portray you as like, oh, she can't do as much. But that's not true. Right. And actually what happens is if you don't rush your body during the first few months, um, your body is going to break down eventually somewhere. So you might as well rest it in the beginning. And I learned that through the hard way with Chloe, my first, because I wanted to hyperdrive. Like I went so hard with work, uh, like literally right after I gave birth, because I felt like people wouldn't want to follow me or they wouldn't. Kind of overcompensating Re- yeah, in a way. Overcompensating yeah. and also... Brands wouldn't want to work with me because I was also one of the very first, if not like probably the first three bloggers back then to have a kid. And so I almost felt like like my career could end at that point because no one else was doing it. Isn't it awful though that we associate that? Yeah, It's horrible. It's so horrible. I think it's changed a lot because now you see the coolest and the most awesome people having kids and just rocking it, which I absolutely love. But I also want people to realize there's an unhealthy version of that, which is like, Hey, look at me. This is how I look like, like a month after I gave birth. Like what, what signal are you telling people? Like, what are you promoting that to just work out, work your body like crazy so you could get back into shape? No, 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 no. Like that is actually the opposite of what we should be doing. And so I think the number one, like the tip that I got that I didn't listen to, but I did listen to with my second kid um, is to rest and take your time because it took you nine months to develop this baby in your body and to give birth. And you have to give yourself at least nine months to recover as well. You have to give your body some love and some grace. It just went through the hardest time it's ever been through. So I, I call it trauma because you're your body literally just gave birth to this huge, huge thing. It's a traumatic experience as beautiful as it is. It's traumatic. And so you have to give your body time to heal and not, not go in hyperdrive mode. And that's one thing that I learned the hard way. So that's the best advice I got as, as a new mom.
0: I love that. Yeah. We're so consumed by this snapback culture and to hear people like you and just more women advocating for the importance of that grace and support and time to heal and reconnect with ourselves
1: and just focus on, you know, the new normal is so important. And nourishing your body. But yeah, you have to nourish your body with what your body needs. And it needs specific things during that time, because you lost a lot during birth, and you're replenishing your body. And you need to make more, especially if you're breastfeeding or, you know, cause and hormonally it's all changed. And so you need to give your body a lot of, of love and nutrition, take the right vitamins. You know, I'm a fan of that. But
0: you know, it's interesting <laughs> when when we were formulating our postpartum product, we learned from our founding OBGYN and the other doctors that it can take three to five years to really fully replenish your body's nutrients after birth. Wow. It's kind of wild. You know, you really give everything to this baby, and it takes time to rebuild those nutrient stores.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, it takes a while. So what is the most surprising or valuable thing you've learned about yourself since becoming a mom?
1: I have so much love and capacity within me. I always thought that I was kind of meant to work and build and create and be this entrepreneur and businesswoman. Like, but once I gave birth to my two little ones, I realized how much love and compassion I have for these, these kids. It's amazing what you're capable of. Yeah. And then also the amount of energy, right? Like the other day, I was so tired because I only got like four hours of sleep. Um, And, you know, I'm 36 now. Like four hours before, I'll be totally fine with like a cup of coffee. But now it's like four hours of sleep. I can't even like wake up with coffee, right? And so I was just like feeling so exhausted. And I was like, oh, should I just like, you know, ask my mom to go pick up the girls? I I just need like an hour nap. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I saw them. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm so excited to see you. And then all this energy started coming out and like, I wasn't even tired and I'm like, wow, kids are natural caffeine. Like I don't even need caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. That's so true.
0: Okay. Well to wrap up, what's next for you personally
1: for Boomo? What are you excited for? As far as Boomo goes, really exciting is that we're, we're expanding into a lot of corporate companies Now that corporate companies are opening back up um, since COVID, I mean, they've been pretty much closed for the past two years. We're servicing a lot of companies to open up FUMOs within their buildings because majority of the workforce now, millennial workforce, are parents and companies, employers are now having to figure out how they are going to get their employees back, but not just back, but also how to retain them. Because you know, just a few years ago, the talent that people were getting was excited about free beer on a Friday or unlimited paid time off or whatever it was. But now these people are parents and they don't really care about those things. They care about, um, you know, family, they care about their kids, they care about what the future of family and work looks like and the balance of that. And so I think a lot of companies are realizing the importance of adding like actual real benefits to support their parents is really, really incredible. So we're working with a lot of uh, big tech companies right now to service them with Bumos in their, mm-hmm. their headquarters. So.
0: And for anyone that doesn't live near a Bumo, how can they get involved in the brand? You guys have an incredible online platform.
1: Yeah, so Bumo goes beyond just the four walls. And we did that intentionally because we understand that there's only so many Bumos that we can open around the world. And so we have our incredible curriculum that the Bumo instructors, they actually use in the classrooms. And it's one of the best, best curriculums out there. So you actually could get access to that online um, and also bring that to your own home. And we actually have some schools that are using it as well because it, it is so good. And you know the curriculum is all about you know raising really good humans. We understand that at early childhood education, they should learn obviously their ABCs and one two threes. But at the core of it, it's about really raising empathetic humans that understand how to be good people as they grow older. And so that's our kind of our main mission with our curriculum. And so you could actually get access to that on boomobrain.com.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, just to sign off, let us know where we can find you and Bumo on Instagram and online.
1: Oh, thank you, Alex. Well, you can find me personally at Chriselle Lim on Instagram. I also have a podcast. Um, it's called Being Boomo, And we just have really raw, awesome conversations. And if you're interested in learning more about Boomo, you can find us at Boomo Parents on Instagram.
0: Amazing. Well, Thank you so much. This has been such fun. And thank you again for being a guest. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at ParallelHealth.com, that's P-E-R-E-L-E-L-Health.com, or on Instagram at ParallelHealth. I'm Alex Taylor, and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Parallel. We are a prenatal vitamin and supplement solution that adapts to your changing body's needs throughout your motherhood journey. All of our products offer the highest quality bioavailable ingredients at doctor recommended doses tailored to each unique phase preconception, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester and postpartum and beyond because your prenatal vitamin shouldn't be one size fits all. Sign up for our newsletter at ParallelHealth.com to learn more.